Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Uh. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. Welcome back to the Grind It Podcast. We're going to continue John chapter 20 today. Uh, we're talking about the resurrection. This is like the event in all of history because this is where we find our hope. This is where we find our victory. This sets us apart from any religion because Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with a man who died He was buried, and he has been resurrected on the third day, and he has paid our sin debt to God, and he has bought us back. He has redeemed us by shedding his innocent blood and becoming that Passover lamb, and he has uh, ascended back to the Father, and he's sitting at the Father's right hand, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, where he sits in a place of authority, and he's making intercession for his people, and his blood continually as long as we are walking with him and, 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 and doing the best we can to serve him <clears throat> on a daily basis, his blood continually washes away our sin. And when, when death does come, we can lay our heads down and, and, and take our last breath, knowing that when we take our last breath here on this earth, that we take our first breath into eternity where we will be with God and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit forever and ever and ever, thanking Him for what He has done for us. The pain that He suffered on, on Calvary, the pain that He endured before He even went to the cross, and then coming out of that tomb, victorious like i said in in the previous podcast you can you can go and search all these other religions but the people who found those religions their body is still here you can visit their grave site and their bones are are still here but not jesus jesus was gone he was gone on that Sunday morning, that resurrection morning when Mary went back to the tomb to visit that body and that stone had been rolled away and there was the grave clothes lying there. And, and she was so tore up and so devastated that she didn't even realize that she's talking to two angels. And when she turned from the tomb, there stood Jesus and yet she didn't even know it was Jesus. She was so upset. Then she was surrounded by God the whole time and didn't even realize that she was surrounded by God. Not until we get to today when Jesus tells Mary that he he calls her by her name. And when he called her by her name, Mary, she just instantly fell at his feet and literally wrapped her arms around his legs and prop and I'm sure she locked them hands and she was grabbing giving him the biggest strongest bear hug that he's ever had poss- possibly and as as she was saying dude we thought you were gone you are not going anywhere this time you are staying right here with me and with us we're not letting you go she was so excited i mean instantly instantly 
those tears dried up, that despair, her hope that had been lost has now been restored because there in her darkest hour, because John 20 verse 1 says it was still dark when Mary went to the tomb. She went there expecting to, to, to pay respects to Jesus' body and it was gone. She's devastated. She is crying uncontrollably. She is so tore up that and she doesn't even realize that she's talking to two angels and Jesus. It was her darkest hour. And she was surrounded by God and didn't even realize it until Jesus called her by her name. And when he called her by her name, it changed everything. All of those negative emotions were gone. The tears had dried. They were, maybe they were tears still flowing, but they were now tears of joy. Because there was Jesus. He has not left them. Just like he said. He told them over and over again, this is going to happen. But they couldn't get it. They didn't understand. And so, you know, Jesus could have said, I, I told you so. This is going to happen. But he just loved her. And he said, hey, get up. Don't cling to me. You go back and you tell the rest of the brethren what, what you've seen and this message that I'm giving you. And that's exactly what she does. She goes back and she tells the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And she gives them his message. And so we're going to pick up in John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly... Jesus was standing there among them. He, he didn't open the door. He just, boom, there he is. He just pops in. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he, he breathed on them. Hope he had good smelling breath. I mean, he did just die. He was in a tomb for three days. But anyway, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So the first thing, okay, let's, let's set this up. Mary has gone to the tomb. Jesus, the tomb was empty. She has talked to two angels and she's talked to Jesus. But before that happened, Peter, she had gone back to tell uh, the other disciples that Jesus' body is gone. It's missing. And, and so Peter and John don't believe her. They run to the tomb to check it out for themselves because they want to see firsthand. They don't want fake news. They want the real news. And so they see it firsthand. Uh, John stopped at the, the door of, of the tomb. And Peter, when he caught up, he, he just went running on in. And then John goes in. And they see the grave clothes lying there. And the napkin that had been wrapped around Jesus' head was neatly folded in its, in its place there where his head had been laying. And so they believed Mary's story that Jesus' body is missing. And so John makes it a point to say they went home. They had gone home defeated. And they left Mary there all alone. She stayed behind at the tomb. And she had to go take a second look. And, and when she took that second look, it's when she had the, the conversation with the two angels. And then when she turned, she saw Jesus, but she thought he was the gardener. 
And so here is a woman that is devastated and she's left all alone to, to wrestle with her emotions. And she's surrounded by God. She doesn't even know it until Jesus calls her by her name. And so she realizes then who Jesus is and she, she just jumps at his feet and grabs a hold of him tightly. And she's so full of joy and happiness that, and Jesus says, you go back and you tell my brethren. So she does that. And now they are, they are in this room, and they're all together. And, and this is the same day. Jesus makes his first appearance. And the first thing Jesus says, and, and, and this is on purpose, because they're full of fear. And they're, they're trying to figure out maybe what's happening, what's going on, what, what's going to happen next. They're freaking out. Because the night of the Passover, Jesus said, hey, one of you are going to be uh, you're a murderer. And you're going to betray me. And, and from that moment on, they have just literally been living in fear and they're freaking out because they thought Jesus was the one. And then you have Peter who, who denied Jesus three times after saying that he would, he would not deny him, but he would die with him. And yet Peter, before the night's over with, he denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. And then we, we know how the women felt despair after he was crucified and buried and how all of his followers, they had lost hope and they were, they were living in fear and they're going back to their way of life before they knew Jesus. I'm, just, I'm going back to fishing, Peter said. I'm, we're going with you, the other said. They're living in fear. And so Jesus shows up and the first thing he says is, peace be with you. And the peace that God gives is the greatest peace that you could ever have. Philippians 4, 7, Paul says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. It's not even comprehensible. God's peace. That's how great it is. He says his peace will, God's peace will guard you. He will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And there is the key to having God's peace. You have to be living for Jesus. Well, what does that look like? Well, you know what it looked like for them? Persecution. They were hated because Jesus told them they would be hated for his namesake. They didn't hate them. They hated Jesus living inside of them. Then they were beaten for their faith. And then uh, I believe it's uh, Acts chapter 8, we see the, or maybe Acts chapter 12, we see the, uh, well, in Acts chapter 8, we have Stephen being stoned for his faith. And then we have Acts chapter 12 where uh, uh, James, the uh, brother of John, the sons of Zebedee, his head is cut off. And then Peter was put in prison. He was next. So this they were persecuted. But Jesus says, peace be with you. I know you're living in turmoil right now because you didn't understand. But look, it's me. And I'm giving you my peace. And Paul says it's a peace that will guard your hearts and your minds. And here's the key. As you live in Christ Jesus, if you want real peace, then live for Jesus. Because no matter what happens and no matter what comes your way, you will have peace. And that's exactly what people need right now. In a world filled with chaos and confusion, people are searching for peace. And it's right there. Right there for the taking. Just turn to Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. Let's take a break. 
My name is Dinah Grace Hawk, and I started a movement of empowerment. I focus on Revelation 12:11, which states that we will overcome, conquer, and defeat him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we will not love our own lives, even unto death. See, sharing testimony squashes pride. It empowers, it strengthens, it encourages, and it heals. This whole movement is focused on sharing our testimony, our walk with the Lord, how He's using us in this life to empower others to do the same. By doing this, we will overcome anything that this world can throw at us because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Every week from now till the end of the year, I'll be highlighting a different woman in the ministry and they're going to share their testimony. Tune in every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, either on Facebook or Instagram at Dinah Grace Hawk, and you get to be a part of this movement too. I'll see you there. So Jesus shows up in the room where they're all gathered with the door locked, and he just appears out of nowhere. And 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 he's the first thing out of his mouth because he knows all these emotions they've been feeling and going through for the past three or four days, ever since that night in in, the, in that room when they were celebrating the last Passover meal, and Jesus said, one of you are going to betray me, you're a murderer, they freaked out. And, they, and they've seen all these things happen to Jesus. And so he knows everything they've dealt with over the past few days. He knows the emotions they are, are experiencing. And so the first thing he says when he shows up in that room is peace. And he gives them the greatest peace that you can ever experience. And the second thing that Jesus did, according to, to John's letter here, was that he showed them his battle wounds. What they saw as weakness was actually strength. They saw Jesus getting arrested by this militia in the garden, and he didn't fight back. They thought he was weak. They saw him being tried by religious leaders on false charges, yet he never refuted them. In fact, he remained silent which to them was weak. They saw him being beaten and mocked by the Roman soldiers, and he just took the abuse. To them it was weak. They saw him nailed to a cross, hung to die, while people walked by cursing him and challenging him and telling him, if you are the Messiah, come down from the cross. Save yourself and us if you are really God. That's what the, 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 uh, the two thieves were saying to him. The one on the right and the one on the left. And then Jesus would only say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And to them, it seemed like weakness. They saw him take his last breath as if he had given up instead of performing some miracle and coming down off the cross. They saw the soldiers pierce his side with a spear and the blood in the water that flowed from his side and down his legs onto, spilling onto the ground. And they saw it as weakness. But what they saw as a weakness was really strength. It was strength. Jesus was so strong, not physically. And maybe he was strong physically. But he was strong mentally. He was so under control. Jesus could have thought, a thought in his head, and, and he could have killed every person that was abusing him. He could have had a thought. He could have spoke a word and changed them into an animal or something. He could have done something crazy to these people. 
He could have froze them in time. He could have done anything that he wanted to because he was God in the flesh. But he knew that this was the Father's will and it had to be done. That's why he prayed three different times in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, your will be done and not mine. If there's some other way, God, let's do it. But if not, this is the way we're going. And God said, this is the way we're going. And this is the way Jesus went. And so what people saw as a weakness was actually great, great strength. Because Jesus, and he even told Pilate, he said, look, dude, you, you, you may think you have control over me. You may think you have power over me. But if my father hadn't let this happen, you, you would be toast right now, dude. You have no power or authority over me whatsoever. Um, and so Jesus was showing great strength. And now he's won the battle. He's, he has come out of that tomb and he's standing there before his disciples. And he says, check it out. Check out my hands here. See these nail prints? This is where the nails went through my hands. This is where I was hanging on the cross. Check out where they, he pulls up his shirt or opens up his, what you know, whatever, his tunic. And, and he shows him his side where, where the spear had pierced his side, John said. And out came forth blood and, and, and water. He, he's like, it's really me. And so he says, peace be with you. And John says that they were all filled with joy. Peace and joy is what? Jesus gives. No matter the circumstances that is going on around us, Jesus gives peace and he gives great joy. So many people today, they want to be happy, but what they really need is joy because happiness depends on circumstances. If everything is going right in my life, well, I'm happy. But as soon as something goes wrong, there's unforeseen circumstances. Well, I'm not very happy. I don't like what's going on. It's not bringing me happiness. In other words, happiness, it comes and it goes. Let's use a new car, for example. Someone's happy when they get... I've always wanted a Corvette. Never had one. I want a black one or a yellow one or a dark blue one. I would be so happy, if you will... If I had a Corvette, prefer, for, for, I really like the new ones, but, it, but 2000 to 2002 models were my favorite. But these new models, I'll, I'll take whatever. I don't like the older models, though. But I, I, you know, I would love to have a vet. It would make me happy to own a vet. But you know what would make me happy? Making those payments. Five, six hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars a month. I don't know what those new ones would be. It'd be absolutely ridiculous to have to make one of those payments. By the time I made my first, second, third payment, that happiness from having that new car would be gone, and then realization would sink in. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be paying for this thing for a long time, and these payments aren't cheap. But you know what would really not make me happy is if I wrecked my new Corvette. I would be so sad. I would be so devastated that I had not even I'll tell you this I've I've had one brand new vehicle in my lifetime and I had bought a Nissan pickup truck extended cap and the day I drove it home from the lot and I pulled in the driveway I had to mow the yard and and this is this is a true story I pulled my lawnmower out of the, the garage and went to fire it up and I popped on the blades and the thing threw a rock right into the door, the driver's door, where I have to see it every time I get in and out of my truck. 
it threw a rock right into the door of my brand new vehicle that I literally just drove home from the the the, the car dealership. My happiness was gone, and there was a big rock dent in the door but what my point is happiness depends on things that are going on around us and when things aren't going so well well we're not very happy and we don't mind letting people know that we're not happy well joy is a lot different joy comes from within and it stays constant joy is there no matter the circumstances no matter what's going on in my life no matter how dark and bleak things may seem we can still have joy if we're following Jesus. And he cuz Jesus like I said he gives joy and he gives real peace. Jesus is the joy giver. I mean you think about what just transpired here. These people, these disciples that had thought all hope was lost and now hope has been restored. Jesus their best friend was dead, and now he is alive, and he's standing right there in that room with them, right before their very eyes. They see him. But there's a problem here. There's one guy that's not there. And we call him Doubting Thomas, but his name was Thomas, and there was a reason why he doubted. He didn't see Jesus that, that evening. He didn't get to talk to him. He didn't get to see the battle wounds. He didn't see... The, the, the scars in Jesus' uh, hands and, 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 his, and his side. Thomas wasn't going to hear it. He, he's like us. He's skeptical. He says, if, I'm not, I'm not, if I don't see Jesus for myself, if I don't, put my, if I don't see his hands and, and, and his side and put my, you know, just be able to touch him, I ain't believing. You know, and that, that, that's what we do. We, we, we don't believe unless we can see it for ourselves. I mean, it's, it's like this, this audio component right here in my hand. It, it's an adapter. Uh, it, it's a 3.5 to a quarter inch adapter that, that I can plug in uh, to some of my equipment and, and use for recording. And you can see it because I'm standing here holding it and I'm telling you what it is. So you, therefore, you can trust me and you, you know what I'm saying is true because you see it in the camera. You can see it in the video. And it's tangible. See, I, 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 can, I can touch it. Therefore, it doesn't take faith for me to, to, to believe that I have this in my hand. It doesn't take faith for you to believe that I have that in my hand. But if I if you can't see my hands, and I'm telling you I'm holding this adapter in my hand, well, you're not going to believe me unless you see it because I'm not actually holding it. So that's what faith, it, it takes faith. And, and Thomas says, I ain't believing this because I didn't see it for myself. And, 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 and that's the way we are. And that's the way people are today. If they can't see Jesus, they can't reach out and touch Him, or they can't see Him with their eyes because God is spirit, and we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. They don't want to believe that they're skeptic. And so you would think, since Thomas wasn't there, and Jesus knows that He's dealing with all these emotions, right? You would think that Jesus would just pick Thomas out somewhere where He's at and just say, hey, here I am, dude. But He doesn't do that. He makes Thomas wait eight days. And John points that out. Listen to this in 20, 26 through 29. It says, Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. So he's there. And the doors were locked, but suddenly, as, uh, as before, Jesus was standing among them. He just shows up out of nowhere in the room. And he says, same thing, Peace be with you. 
And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound at my side. Don't, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now, I don't know how to explain this, but Jesus had flesh like he was human, but yet he could just pop up in a room and then disappear. Just like when he was on the road to Emmaus and he was eating supper with those guys and he took that bread and he lifted it up to pray to the Father to bless the bread. And when he did, the people instantly, those two guys instantly recognized it was Jesus and he immediately just vanished from their sight. But yet he had flesh because he's showing Thomas his, his scars, his battle wounds. He says, reach out and touch them. It's, it's me. My question is, why did he wait for Thomas to appear to Thomas for eight? Why did Jesus wait eight days knowing that Thomas was dealing with all this stuff, all these emotions? Did he sit around thinking that the other disciples were playing jokes on him? Did he pray to God to see Jesus in, in, in hopes that it was true, that, that Jesus was alive? He was dealing with all these emotions, and he wasn't there for whatever reason. We don't know why, but he was not there when Jesus appeared the first time. And Jesus made him wait eight days. I mean, God can do what he wants to, right? He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He, he knows. He knew exactly what Thomas said because the first thing he said after saying, Peace be with you, he turns to Thomas and says, Here's my hands. Here's my side. Check it out, dude. It's me. So he knew. Even though, he, even though Thomas wasn't there and Jesus wasn't there in person when Thomas said that to the rest of the disciples, Jesus knew what Thomas said. He knew that Thomas was a skeptic and he would not believe until he saw and put his hands in the battle wounds. And Jesus says, here I am. Here's my battle wounds, Thomas. Check them out. Touch them. And though even, even though Thomas had to wait eight days, it was well worth the wait. And all that stuff that Thomas was dealing with and was experiencing, it all went away when Jesus showed up. And beloved, listen to me. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, you keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep waiting for Jesus to show up. You keep That's why Jesus says, keep on seeking, keep on praying, keep on knocking. Don't give up on the answer. If you're waiting to hear from God for something, don't give up. Keep waiting with anticipation, expectation, because God will show up. And when Jesus shows up, everything will be made right. And that's exactly, I don't know why Jesus made Thomas wait eight days. And that's the problem with us. We want everything, especially in our society, we're so instantaneous. We have the fastest internet. We have fast. We have all this fat. We can nuke food. We can cook food. We got frozen food that we can, it's instantly ready in just a few minutes. We want everything right now. And God says, you got to wait. Thomas, you got to wait eight days. And I'm going to pop up and I'm going to show up and I'm going to make everything good. And it's called faith. Jesus says, because Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, Thomas, you believe me because you see me. But blessed are those who believe and have never seen. Beloved, that's us. That's you and me today. We don't see Jesus. He, he, he's not like this adapter that I'm holding in my hand. It doesn't take faith to know that I'm holding this adapter in my hand. But if you can't see my hands and I tell you I'm holding this adapter, you have to believe me. It takes faith. And you may not believe me because you can't see it. 
And we can't see Jesus. He's not appearing in any rooms. But we have His Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hebrews 11.1 1, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Let me give you two, two examples real quick. The Santa Claus movie. When Judy says, the little elf, she says, Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. And then in the Polar Express, the conductor says, Seeing is believing. But sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we cannot see. Thomas, you believe me because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's what faith is all about. You might not be able to reach out and touch Jesus, but by faith we know He's alive. He come out of that tomb victorious, holding the, death, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And we have the victory by faith. That we have hope. Hope has been restored. Hope has a name, and His name is Jesus. And though, beloved, we can't see Him, He's not appearing in any rooms, we have His Word. We have His promises. And it is by faith we believe. And John ends chapter 20 by saying this, The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. There is a better and brighter day coming in eternity if we follow Jesus, hope has been restored by the resurrection. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Will you believe? Will you follow Jesus? And will you share this hope with your friends, your family, your co-workers? God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life, all my life.